For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 77. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Not great. I'm still sick, but I'm on the men's. Uh, I tried to open a beer there on on the record and it was very not loud at all. It was just to say I opened it. I wish it was a can. Yeah, that would get a nice little crack going, but you got a little rolling rock action going tonight. Yes, St. Louis zone rolling rock. It's good. It's my good default beer. There you go. It's not not a bad one for sure. Definitely a good fallback option, right? Well, yeah. What's going on with you? Uh, you are you working like fourteen hours today? Uh, no. It was a it was a regular day today. So about eight thirty to five. So that's about a regular day for me. Um, Friday is, I was just telling you before we recording, is the kickoff party for the new semester at the radio station. So I will be there for roughly, let's see, 14 and a half hours Oof. Oof. because I got to work the regular Friday and then set up for the party, get the food, yeah. stay, supervise, well, all that fun stuff that goes into being a manager. Yeah, good luck to you and i know there's probably some people going like well i work 14 hour days every day and you know what i couldn't do that job like my brother does that he works 12 hour days by default and it's like hard manual labor this is like you're planning a party and stuff it's still long that's a long bleep day i couldn't do it and i couldn't do a manual labor job there's a reason that these spaghetti arms aren't manual labor (laughs) no yeah i Hats off to the manual labor guys out there and girls because I certainly could not do it. I don't have the whatever capacity is in me to do it. I just don't. That's why we're both blockers. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I work my seven and a half hour uh, desk job and I'm up. Oh, I am wiped after that one. Mental exhaustion is a real thing, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable government work. What a joke sometimes. <laughs> Do you have an addition for us uh, tonight? Can you confirm the number for me, please? 
77. Yes, it's the Pierre Turgeon edition, buddy. Oh, 147 goals as a New York Islander. 340 games. Two, or sorry, 255 games. 340 points. I got ahead of myself. Oh, the PT edition. I knew that I wanted to save that one for you. I hope I was hoping that you'd remember because he is your favorite player. What number he is, but yes, he's good on you. <laughs> definitely remembered, even though I pulled up the hockey reference page just to make sure. Good, <laughs> solid. Because I, I didn't think I could I could remember all of those stats. And you, you know what? In terms of goal scoring, he was the most prolific for the Islanders than any other team that he played for of the like two and a half million. <laughs> Uh, he scored a hundred. Sorry, one hundred forty-seven goals for the Islanders, and the closest he got was, was five years in St. Louis, where he scored one hundred thirty-four. Okay, so just saying. Although he scored three hundred fifty-five points for them, so you know, you know, you win some, you lose some. I guess we'll take the goals. Though. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, Mitch. Let's jump into it. So on today's show, we're going to start with talking about one of the Islanders' lines and their struggles. And if you've watched the Islanders for the last couple of weeks, you probably already know which line we're talking about, and that is the Beauvillier, Barzal, and Bailey line. They have been together for a while now, and it really is beginning to fall off the wagon right now. Yeah, not because of Barzal. He's got two points in the last two games. Um, but the other guys, like Bailey's got... Two points in the last five, and Bo probably doesn't have one. Maybe he might have one. Has one point in his last five games coming against the Anaheim Mighty Ducks on the 20th of January. Um, it, it's not been good productive-wise. And, and you could say they're doing a lot of things off the puck, and they're doing other things well. And that's true, but they there to score some points, and they ain't doing it. No, not even like a little bit. No. So what... What what hap- What do they do? What what what? It's my very eloquent question. <laughs> okay, uh, so I guess on translation that <laughs> is then what what do the Islanders do now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, um, well I think you have to shuffle up the lines in some capacity, which they did at practice today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that. But yes, I think that is definitely. An option, and I know we talked about it on the post game, and they did exactly that. So they appear to have swapped Beauvillier and Dal Cole. Mm-hmm. So Dal Cole comes up to play with Barzal and Bailey. Beauvillier goes down to play with Filpula and Komarov. So, like you said, we mentioned this on our post game podcast. So, for all those of you who don't know, after every New York Islanders game, we record a podcast that we post on our Patreon account. So, five bucks a month gets you that post game content. Uh, and after every game, like I said, 20 to 30 minute podcast, just breaking down the game, talking about it. And in, in the most recent one, we talked about this line saying that something needs to give because they're not doing anything out there. Barzell is. Barzell is always doing something, but the guys next to him aren't. It's not meshing and they need to try something. And one of the options that we came up with, like Matt said, was what Barry Trotz is doing at practice is send Bo down to the third, bring Dal Cole up to the second and... That's what's happening, and that that's perfect. Like they're they're giving Del Cole. He's worked at he's worked it enough. He's done what he needed to do defensively with uh, Philip and Komarov, and they're giving him a chance to be that offensive force that they drafted almost five years ago. Yes, so he's going on. Yeah, it will be five years this June that he was drafted, and fifth overall. 
I was going to say, okay. when you're taking <laughs> fifth overall, that you are expected to be a top-tier guy. He is finally getting that opportunity. I'm curious to see what happens starting tomorrow in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, he's played well offensively. Like He's gotten a few chances and he's taken them. Uh, and, and Bo just hasn't recently. And I think that's really just what they're looking for is that we know, Bo, that you're getting opportunities and it's just not going in. You know, give it up to puck luck or something like that. Whatever you want to do. But you had success. You being Bo had success with Philpola and Komarov before. Let's get you back to that. Let's get you back to your game. And let's see what this guy has, who we have to sign at the end of the year, right? He's at the end of his ELC. And this is a guy that we saw, we, we drafted, you know, although not necessarily us, fifth overall five years ago. We need to figure out what we got in this guy. He's done well defensively. He's done well with what we've given him so far. Let's move him up. Let's show him some faith because he's shown us some faith. Yeah, I think that obviously he deserves a shot to see, you know, what he's capable of. His numbers haven't blown me away, but then again, he is playing on the third line too, to just to play devil's advocate. But who knows? Maybe he clicks with Barzal and Bailey. The prevailing thought here, though, was that Barry Trotz had to do something, and at least they were able to recognize that, and we'll see if this could potentially be a fix. If not, maybe they look to another area. Yeah, I don't know where they are, where else they would look. Ross Johnston off the scratch pad. <laughs> no, please. Uh, but Dal Cole gives him something different, right? Like, he's not as quick as Bo is, so keeping up Bar- with Barzell might be an option, or, no, sorry, not an option, an issue. Uh but in front of the net, you got a completely different type of player. Bo stands at what six feet max? I think he might be even just five eleven. He is. Uh, I have it here right five eleven one eighty two. Whereas Dal Cole is six three two fourteen. I think it is um, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so much bigger body. Much bigger body. Really good with his hands. Like very Anders Lee type of dexterity going on there with the hand eye coordination. Uh, he's going to be a lot better down low. Uh, trying to get those, uh, retrieving those pucks. He's more of a winger. Bo is transformed into a winger. This is a guy who, who played center his entire career before getting to the NHL. Remember, he didn't really go to the AHL. He played like, what, 10 games maybe between last year and the year before that? Yeah. Uh, and that was all like sending down to, as a disciplinary measure kind of thing. Um, whereas Dal Cole has taken his chance to get up here, he's played wing his entire career. This is a winger through and through. Uh, you're going to get a guy who's good at getting at getting those board battles and winning those board battles, and that's what you're seeing with Philpo and Komarov on on a, with when he's playing on a wing with Philpo and Komarov. So that that should translate over. So he may not have the foot speed as a Bobilia, but he's giving Barzell and Bailey something different to work with. Right, and maybe you like you said, you put him in front of the net. You let Barzell and Bailey, who are good puck movers, usually skate around, create some space, and then fire something on net and see if he's either there to tip it or get the rebound. Absolutely. And he's got a, a good wrist shot as well. I, I wrote in the pieces earlier that he's got a heavy wrist shot, which he does. And he, he give him the chance to get it and, and place it, and you might have yourself a really good shooter from the left side there. I like this. That, that It's a win-win at this point because it's not like Bo is doing anything so he's, he's not going to cause a negative goals well I guess you could but I don't think that that's going to be the chance or the, the what's going to happen here no and what better way to evaluate Michael Dalcole than putting him next to your best player <laughs> yeah does he have his offensive chops or not and let's test him out with like you said the best player on the team right and also 
I know that our best player is young, just 21 years old, but also on the other side, you have Josh Bailey, who, yes, is struggling a little bit lately, but he's a veteran who has put up points the last few years and knows how to play the game. So potentially playing alongside him could be beneficial too. I know that they love talking up Filipula and Komarov as the veteran leaders, but Josh Bailey's been with the Islander. He's the longest tenured Islander. He's so been there for 10 years. He... Take that, Tavares. <laughs> right. So um, the point being that he too could be a capable teacher to the younger guys. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. Uh, for me, it's just that Del Cole's done what he needed to do to get to this position. It took a while, but he paid his dues by performing at the AHL level. He's almost at a point-per-game pace at the AHL level, right? 28 points in 29 games before being called up, uh, or or with being called up, sent back, and called back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now at th- playing defensively well and, and doing the things that Barry Trotz wants him to do, and so he's trusting them. He's giving him this faith to move him up. Uh, there's someone else on this roster that could probably use that uh, that that type of uh, what's a blueprint, and we'll, we'll get to him a little bit later. Um, you yes. know, doing what the coaches is asking you to do. <laughs> someone else on this team who could use that. Yeah. Uh, as for Del Cole, he is averaging just eleven seventeen per night. So, do you think that he is able to handle playing the extra what three? four minutes maybe oh absolutely I think he's able to handle the the minutes the the increase in minutes what I'm not sure is can he use those minutes to be an effective forward yeah I think the jury's still out on that exactly so I'm I'm not sure and I think that's that's what we're going to find out right against New Jersey if indeed he does play there uh, which seems to be the case uh Hopefully that's hopefully it does, and, and I I would love to see it work because I want I want egg on my face on this one because I, I called him a bust and I felt bad about it at the time, still feel bad bad about it now, and I don't want him to prove me wrong. I want it so bad. I hope his dad is listening to this, and then he invites <laughs> us to like the arena and he, he can do like the Greg Wyshynski Los Angeles Kings and throw a pie in our face. I I would do that for sure. Yes, I I'm on board. Gustel Cole. I know I have real estate in your brain. Just if you're listening, I'm willing to take a pie in the face if Michael Del Cole works out as a top six player mm. for the Islanders. <laughs> Make it lemon meringue, please. Yes, uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> so that seems to be the solution for now, but I thought that it was important to start off the show by talking about the Beauvillier, Barzal, and Bailey line because obviously Barzal, like we mentioned, is the best player on the team. So you would assume that that line should be the most productive one, and it really hasn't, especially lately. No, it hasn't. And and I think we we have to talk about just the the solution that they're putting forward because it is the most obvious one, and not to their discredit. Like, you got to try the the simplest answer because sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. Um, And and that might just be the case here. Like, Bo might just be a bottom six forward, and that's okay. Like, every team needs a third-line left wing. And if you can get one that can score 30 to 40 points, even better. Um, that might just be his lot. And that that's fine. You can you can carve out a good NHL career doing that and, and get paid well for it. Nick Benino got $3 million. Cal Clutterbuck is getting 3.5 playing on the fourth line. So imagine Bo scoring 45 points from the from the third line. That's a 4 to $5 million player almost. Yeah, probably. So nothing, not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just... That might be his best his best place, and that's perfectly fine. Right, and I think that's what we thought this year would be about. 
We didn't necessarily think that they'd be a playoff team, but we figured that this year, Lou Lamarilla, Barry Trotz will evaluate the roster and see where everyone is. Kind of like they gave Devontae's a very short bridge deal. They gave Ryan Pulak a short bridge deal. And it was so that they could evaluate their guys and say, who do we want to keep long-term? Who do we want to pay? Who deserves the money? This and that. And I think we're seeing that now with... Beauvillier and this regime. Oh my God, I, you're you're just making me think of that that two point seven million dollars that they're paying to Devin Tate and Ryan Pula combined this year and next year. Oh yeah, that that could really come in clutch next year. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. Like that's something I didn't think about at all. It's just they're trying. They've they've been trying to, to suss out where players are and, and where they fit in the, in the roster, and they may have just honed in on Bo being. You know, you might just be a bottom six guy. No offense taken. No, you don't need to be offended by that. That's good. That's where you are. We will play you to your strength in that position, and you will excel there. That is perfect. Right, and if you get, like you said, 30 to 40 points from your third-line left-winger, you take it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he put up 36 points last year. Sure enough, he was playing with Barzal, so who knows if he can do that. But he's not on pace to do that this year with 19 and 51 games. Like, No, I think it's just like 30 flat. Yeah, that's not good that, compared to last year. Well, and especially when you're playing with Matt Barzal and, and Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey... Yes, has struggled, but he's still on pace for 60 points. Matt Barzal, we know he was over a point-per-game player last year. You would think you got to put up better than 30 points playing with those two. Yeah, It's like Tom Wilson could put up 30 <laughs> points playing with Alex Ovechkin. So, obviously, you'd expect a little more from Bovillier. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you that there's more to be expected there. So, we'll see if this, this solution works out. And like you said, it might not. And then they got to look elsewhere. And that, that's when you start talking about trades and stuff, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but I, I think this is the most easiest, the, the obvious answer and the one that they have to look at first because they've got this RFA and Michael Dalcole in the system that they drafted fifth overall five years ago. They've got to figure out what they got in him. So it just makes sense. Yeah, so we will see going forward how Michael Dalcole does. And maybe next week we'll talk about his first few games playing with Matt Barzell. Mm, come on, give me some points, baby. Oh, boy, give me some points. Hopefully. Yes. So... Going from one 2014 draft pick to another, <laughs> we will now go talk about Josh Hosang. Not so positive he, on this one. <laughs> not as positive on this one. He was scratched twice in the AHL, and it, it, the saga continues, and it seems to be getting worse for Hosang. Just, just trade him. Just trade him. Can we just do that, please? It's it's not that I don't like the player. I, I love the player. I want him to play for the Islanders. I like the style that he brings and what he does. It just it just isn't working out. It's just not working out. Like I, I'm I'm glad he we haven't heard rumblings of a, a trade request being put through, uh, but it just feels like it, it, it's there, right? Like we're not far away from a Jonathan Drury situation, or Nino Niederreiter to make it put it more on the point. Yeah. Wow. Uh Yeah. It's. It's sad to see because there is talent there. He flashed in 2016-17 especially. He was productive in the, what, 10 games he played this year. I think that he is a good player and that he, if he does go elsewhere, I think he could thrive. But, you know, I love Josh Hosang, but I agree with you. I don't think it's going to work here. And at that point, you might as well get something back in return. They just don't seem to be willing to play him the way he wants to play. And he doesn't seem to be willing to to play the way they want him to play. And so there's a butting of heads happening. And they're both wrong, right? Like, 
they're, they're, they should both cater or not cater, but uh, what's the word I'm gonna look for here is like retreat their 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 stance, their 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 wall at least a little bit on either side. Both need to realize the other position; it may be right, and they come to some sort of consensus together to make this work. But it doesn't seem that that being the case. Like they're, they're two immovable objects against each other, and it's just not nothing's happening. So you know what? Let let's just for his career and for the Islanders to move forward with another prospect or whatever else they get from it. Let's move forward. Let's get this done. Let's let's end this chapter of the Joshua Sang saga. Yes, and obviously if he did get traded, I'd wish him the best, And unless he goes to the Rangers, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, it, it, like, it, we, like we mentioned, it, it's tough because it doesn't feel like all that long ago, at the end of the 2016-17 season, when John Tavares was hurt, that this was the guy leading the Islanders' offense for the final couple of weeks of that season. Yeah, well, I don't. I can't find a single person who's going to say anything bad about the offense that Joshua Saint brings. Everything is about how he plays defensively and off the puck. Which, sure, I, at some level, I, I will also agree. You know, there's something to be desired there. There's something to be worked upon. But every player has that. Every player is weak somewhere. Every single one of them, except for maybe Connor McDavid, I guess, or Sidney Crosby. Every one of them are weak somewhere. So. I'll I'll live with it. He wasn't that bad defensively last year. And if there's something he can learn defensively, well, who better than Barry Trotz to teach him? And if Barry Trotz can't teach him, then you definitely get him out. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Who better than Barry Trotz? Because we've seen his effect take place on other players. And I guess just from my perspective, I wish that he got a little bit more of a shot at the NHL roster this year just because I don't think it was a big enough sample size to say, okay, he can't play for Barry Trotz. 10 games to me isn't enough. But Michael Del Cole's getting more time, and I would like to have seen uh, Hosang get that time and see if he can develop his defensive game because he was making a big difference with Valtteri Fopula and Leo Komarov. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I, I don't, like, to be fair, though, like, Josh Hosang played Ten games had six giveaways. Dal Coles played sixteen games has four giveaways, so like he's got ten less than six or two less than six more games. So people are going to hang their hats on that. True, they're very different style of players, though. Yeah, they're completely different types of players. Um, but that that that's going to be the one. Uh, well, he plays a better defensive game, so. Clearly, he shouldn't be here. And you're going, well, like, seriously, no. Like, th- his impact offensively is immeasurable compared to Michael Dalcole, at least at this point, from what we've seen. So, it just doesn't seem right to say, like, well, we see this guy is more of a top six guy, so we're going to send him down and keep the guy that we think is a bottom six guy up. What? Yeah. I... I... I don't know. Is it weird that I kind of see both sides of this? I don't want to play like right down the middle, but I kind of no, see it's the not, Islanders' it's perspective, n- and I also see the his. No, I don't think you're wrong in taking either side. Like, I think that's the perfect stance to take is that no one is completely to blame here, uh, and either side has a stake in this, and that that's why it's become an untenable situation because either side has like entrenched themselves on their side and said like I'm not budging, I'm right, and you're going well, yeah, you are. But you're also wrong. It's simply for the fact that you've entrenched yourself and you're immovable on, on your ideology and how to approach the situation. 
just just separate yourselves it, it needs it this needs a break because it's not going to get any better it, it could it could i guess you know joshua saying could have some sort of revelation tomorrow and be like you know what i'm going to do everything they want me to do to the t from here until the end of my career um maybe you know maybe brett thompson still hasn't really uh, given up on him. He, he said a lot of positives about him uh, after in that article about him being scratched. I think a lot of it was lip service. Yeah. But if you are looking for something to hold on to, any last glimmer of hope, I guess that would be it. I want to see Lou say those things. I don't care about Brent Thompson necessarily. I don't like Brent Thompson as, as an AHL coach. I don't credit Brent Thompson for Michael Del Cole's resurgence this year. I really don't. I really give all the credit to Michael Del Cole. Uh, I don't think Brent Thompson is a good uh, developer of talent. Like, who, who's he developed? Devin Taves? Yeah, that's probably the only thing you can go to. And, like, defensively. We're, we're talking defensively. He's probably pretty good at de- developing players. Like, let's say even a Cal Clutterbuck. Or, you know, I guess he didn't Cal Clutterbuck. Cases Zizekas. Or Ryan Pulak. Devin Taze. Like, defensemen and defensive players, he's probably pretty good at, at getting something out of. But he can't do squat when it comes to offensive-minded players. He just doesn't have it. Uh, from what I've seen, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. No, you make a pretty good case for it. I mean, Hosang and Dal Cole haven't really thrived under him. Bellows has been okay. Um, Otto Koivula's coming coming out, but like, we'll see about that. No, but even like in years past too. Exactly, like years gone by. Like, who's the big prospect coming out of? When did Brent Thompson even start there? I I don't know. I don't remember the year he started in Bridgeport, but it wasn't when like uh, Kyle Post was was running the show. I don't even think it was, he was there when Casey Zekas was around. Uh, probably not by much. I, I feel see. like it was between 2010 and 2013 that he started there. I could be wrong, but I, I thought it was something along those lines. And so that, that really narrows the amount of offensive-minded players he would have had at his disposal to, to mend and shape. I believe 2011-2012. There you go. Right in the middle of what I said. So... Who's coming in at, at that time that he was able to mend and shape? Obviously, Hosang, Del Cole, uh, fail, fail. Barzell skipped that. Bo skipped that. So that's the 2015 draft. Uh, who did they draft in 2016? Bellows. He's there and he's doing okay. So how about before that? When we're talking about 2013, who did they draft in, in the first round of 2013? I can't I remember. Pulak. Pulak. He's been, again, defenseman. So like we're, we're okay with that. Uh, 2012 was, was that Strom? Uh, Strom was 2011. 2012 was Reinhardt. Right. That was. But, okay. So this is kind of weird. So during the 2011, 2012 season, Thompson was the head coach. Then from 2012 to 2014, he was the assistant coach. And then in 2014, 15, he went back to the NHL. That's right. Um, so I, I don't I, I don't I don't trust him when it comes to offensive players. I, I just don't because I, I haven't seen anything that he's been able to produce out well, there. Well, Mitch, guess what position he played when he Oh, I'm sure played. he was like a, a grinding defensive defenseman. Yes, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a defenseman. Yeah. So go figure. He knows how to develop defense. And that, that's that's great. great. We need that. Every team needs that. But you just, there, there's an offensive side to the game that you still need to figure out. And Doug Waite was apparently that guy. 
I, I, he was. He was. He was the flip. They were. The, they were. They were a good yin and yang. Whereas Wait was very offense, and Thompson is very defense. Together, they'd be an, a, a nice Ultron, but like apart, no good. Oh boy. So t- it just really comes back to the point. Like they really need to trade Hosang, and at this point, what do they receive? I don't know. They could probably get a third round for him. Like Broyle just got a second round pick. Yeah, if you're trading Hosang straight up looking for something, maybe a third rounder, if you include him in a trade, in a package for something, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I, I thought depends. Nikita Sherback, because that's a, another guy from the 2014 first round who isn't performing very well and is playing in the AHL. You know, maybe swap guys, maybe change the scenery, changes these guys' minds. He was just claimed by LA off of waivers from the Montreal Canadiens. So I don't know if... Okay. The Kings are ready to trade him, but you're getting a player who's similar age and definitely more offensive upside. You know, the, the honors might be able to trade Hosang and get like a fifth or sixth out of out of them as well. Possibly. It's, it's definitely worth a shot. So. so, But it just comes back to the idea of, I think that this relationship is broken and they, they just haven't. It's like you're dating someone and you're only still with them because you know them very well and you just don't want to go out and date anymore. It's one of those situations. Jeez, that hit a little too close to home <laughs> for me in the past, in my past years. <laughs> I, I, I've been there, been there, done that. You're like, I don't want to be with you, but I don't want to be alone. And this beats being alone. So what's up, girl? <laughs> oh, no, that just got too real. Yeah, some dark days, some dark days for me. That's for sure. I right, want to talk about some culture change to the yes. New York Islanders. So Absolutely. When we're, when we were deciding what to talk about this week, you said, I absolutely want to talk about culture change. So how about you lead off the conversation with what stands out to you? So I, I'm a soccer fan, as we all know, and I was listening to this one soccer podcast. Uh, it was called The Football Ramble. I just I love that podcast. Anyways, they were talking about how Arsenal are going through a culture change and how they, they've had a manager there. His name was Arsene Wenger. and He was there for like 20 years. And he instilled this culture that they're still trying to exercise now, although starting to. It's in it in its infancy because their new manager just started this year. Much like ours, our general manager just started this year after Gar Snow being there for twelve years and the head coach being there for a couple of months, but like or a couple of years, but he's been in the system a lot longer than that, right? Assistant GM and so on and so forth. Right. Um, but they haven't been able to change the culture over there in Arsenal. They just haven't. Players just haven't molded to the new the new manager, although some have, some haven't. And he hasn't been able to, he being the manager, hasn't been able to bring in the players to do the things that he needs to do to kind of push on and at least create this culture of winning. Whereas when you look at the Islanders, it's taken seven months and they're there. They are already there. And, and most of the pieces that have been there for those, tw- well, they're Garth pieces, right? You look up and down that yeah. roster and this is a Garth team. Pretty much. Right, he's drafted or acquired. Well, he drafted and acquired all of them aside from Filipula, Komarov, and arguably you can say Matt Martin because he was brought back by um, and Robin Leonard. Right, Robin Leonard and Kunhakel. Five out of twenty-three players are not Garth players, and the culture has switched completely one eighty. So let me, I guess, let me phrase my question to you in this way: yep. Do you think this they had a they had it in him all along. They just needed the right guy to push the buttons culture wise. 
I I don't think they had it in them all along. I think it was a they're more they're more predisposed to this type of change, where I think under that old Garth regime they're just kind of you know just hit over the head with the same message for the last 12 years. Just, this is how you do it. This is what we're going to do. This is how we do things. This is who we are. Bam, bam, bam. And you just get numb to everything until finally someone comes by and says, we ain't doing it that way. We're going to do it another way, Holmes. In literally those exact words. That's how Lula Amarillo speaks. I can see it. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of a revelation. You go, oh my God, I don't have to think of the old way. And the shackles metaphorically get broken the second that Lou gets the job because you're going, we could do it differently. We could do something else. And then you get a guy like Barry Trotz come in and not only are the shackles broken, but the gates are open and you have free range. You're no longer this calf stuck in this little hut, stuck to the stake on the ground to produce tasty, tasty veal. You are a free range cow now. You can do what you want. Although within a message that is framed, but you're willing to listen to that message because you've been given the promised land. Right. And I, I, th- I think it's really working. Like you, like you mentioned, it, it's clear they they had no business being in first place, but here, here they are. And I asked you that cause I was curious to see what you were going to say. But if I were to answer my own question, which is kind of cocky, but I'm going to do it anyway, just do it. Um, I don't think they would be, be able to do it without these two, Lou Lemerillo and Barry Trotz. I think that they both are, you know, they're old-time hockey guys. They've been around the game forever. They know how to win, and it's really rubbing off on the players. And I know that sounds really cliche, but I think it's the truth. Yeah, I, We're seeing the proof of it right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And maybe it's a, it's a, they came into the right situation as well, right? They're coming into a team who are predisposed to play that way anyways. Like, that's how they kind of played under Jack Capuano. They just didn't have, like, the X's and O's, I would assume, to kind of execute that plan. They had the right philosophy and the right ideology. They just didn't have the proper execution behind the bench to do that. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's more structure. Where I understand Jack Capuano and Barry Trotz, I guess, more defensive-orientated and stuff like that, but I just think that Trotz ha- is better at getting the guys to be in the right spots where it was more under Jack Capuano. It's like, all right, fourth line's just going to run around like crazy and hit everyone. <laughs> all right, boys, battering ramp time. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but then they kind of do that now, although they're not out hitting opponents necessarily. Although, to be fair, Cal Clutterbuck's still getting a third of hits on most nights. Um, it's I, I think it's that, that predisposition of the roster to fit the guys coming in. But it's also the idea of you you have guys coming in with that sort of panache and that sort of uh, a resume of, of a Lou Lamro and a Barry Trotz that just kind of unleashes and unlocks these guys to go, oh my God, I could do it this way now? I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to run into a wall for you. Whereas they wouldn't do that for necessarily Doug Waits and Gar Snow because, again, hit over the head with the same message over and over and over again. Yes. And what are you... For the future, I guess not like five years down the line, but what do you think for next year? Do you think it's like a step forward even more? Do you think they stay around the same? Do you think they take a sophomore slump, step back a little bit in the development? What are your thoughts? Um, ideally, the it, it's to move forward, right? It's to take a step up and go, okay, we've done this. Now let's take a step forward. Although it depends on what they do in terms of the roster and who they bring in. 
Like, if they don't bring in more talent, they're not going to take a step forward. I could see them even taking a step back. Um, if they don't bring any more talent, if they if the roster stays the exact same, I don't think they get any better. Yeah, I think I'll I'll phrase my answer like this. I think their ceiling's about the same if they come back with a similar roster, which is make the playoffs and win a playoff round, but not much further than that. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd best stay the same, I guess, at best. But improve the roster through free agency, through trades, yeah. through the draft, and we're looking at something completely different. Yeah, oh, man, I can't wait to see what they can add. Like we, we've seen that they're now they're not a destination necessarily, but players are interested to come here because they can see what's happening. Um, so you, you got to think that that's going to help them acquire more talent. And I know I've said this on the show before, but all it takes is one, and then more will start to come. Yes, the precedence was set with Andrew Ladd going. Oh, Andrew Ladd's going there for seven point five. All right, I'll keep that in mind when I'm ready to retire. And not, oh, they're going to win? I'm going to give them a chance. That's not the case. It, it, it's moving towards that later chance, or later case, but we aren't there yet. Yep. Exactly. I uh, want to get into some trade deadline conversation now? Yes. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So the trade, the trade deadline is rapidly approaching, and this week already, there were already two rumors. One of them is definitely not going to happen because he was just traded today. Yep. And the other one is still a possibility. But those names were Brian Boyle and Ila Kovalchuk. And Mitch actually found some similarities between the two. Yeah, they're... they're and, <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, it, it's a pretty obvious one. But they're both former Lou Lamarillo players. <laughs> they both were traded for by Lou Lamarillo at the trade deadline. Uh, and they're both over the age of 33. Yeah. Uh, that part I don't... The last part I don't like. No, <laughs> no that's fair. Um, okay, well, l- let's talk about... Obviously, Brian Boyle won't happen. He went to Nashville for a second-round pick. A second-round pick for Brian Boyle. That's wild. Wild. Um, we couldn't do that. We could not do that. That's way too high. Uh, that means we wouldn't have a second, third, fourth. And they can't trade their second-round pick. Well, that's what I'm not so sure about anymore. Because um, it seems that, according to Cap Friendly, the condition was met from the Calgary Flames uh, for that 2019 second-round pick. So if you go on the Islanders' uh, Cap Friendly, you click on that second-round pick they got from Calgary, um, the condition was, if the Flames missed the playoffs in 2018, Islanders receive a 2019 second-round pick. And they obviously missed the playoffs in 2019, so they would get that second-round pick in 2019. This is, of course, according to Cap Friendly. Okay. So, who knows if that's exactly... Um, I could be wrong, but I thought I read that somewhere. Right, but that's the thing. that They might be wrong as well. Maybe they don't have it right. Like They're not the official source, necessarily. This is just kind of based off of the information they were able to gather. This isn't like gotcha. official NHL information, though. They're usually not wrong about this stuff. Right. So we'll we'll lean towards them, and I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, where were we going with this again? Sorry. Yeah, I kind of derailed us. My bad. Um, we were talking about Brian Boyle oh, and yes. him being traded for a second-round pick. We said that was way too high. Um, what do you think is, I guess, your plan then? What do you What do you do? Are you staying put? Are you making a move? Oh, yeah. You have to make a move. Unless Del Cole works out, you have to make a move. 
Right. Which I'm leaning towards make a move, with all due respect to Dow Cole. Yeah, well, you you have to see what's out there. And if you can't get a player who definitely is a top six forward, you make that move. Uh, but if you can't, then you stick with what you got and you see what happens the further you get to, or the closer you get to the trade deadline. But as it stands now, yeah, you definitely make a move. If you can bring in a guy like Artemi Panarin or Mark Stone, you do it. Do you have any interest in Kovalchuk? Because he was the name that was brought up. Uh, we'll get into other players after this, but I want to get your thoughts on him first. Um, I don't know. Not really. I, I get the idea here is to bring in some depth on that third line. Uh, you can get a guy who's probably going to help you on the power play. Uh, is he good defensively? No. Can Barry Trotz get that out of him? Maybe. Like He played in a very trappy system in, in New Jersey for Lou Lamarillo before. So if there's a guy who knows what Lou's doing... This is one of them. And he was fine with it in New Jersey, technically speaking. Um, he did leave. <laughs> so He did leave, which that's not the best. But, I mean, Lou was the one to give him that contract, no? My bad. That, Lou was the one to give him that contract, no? Yes. Um, but still, I, if, I, if the only option is to take Ilya Kovalchuk, sure. Let's go with it. If I don't have to take Ilya Kovalchuk, then I won't. Because I, I don't think that that's a need per se for the Islanders. I think that they can get what they need elsewhere. I am 100% in agreement with you. So how about a player that you are interested in and that you would like to see traded for? Uh, Tyler Toffoli. Okay. Give me Tyler Toffoli from the Los Angeles Kings. He's not playing well, although to be fair, no one in the Los Angeles Kings is playing well right now. But this is a 60-point player, right? He scored, maybe not a 60-point player. He scored 58 points four years ago, 34, 47, and he's on pace for not very much this year. So it's possible that he's not that great of a guy or of a player, but with a season of 49 points, 58 points, 34, 47, with 30 goals, 24 goals. You, you got potential there. There's something there. Uh, and he's on a $4.6 million deal. That's not a lot of money. Brock Nelson is getting close to that amount of money. Um, and this guy has more upside. He's younger, I guess. He's by, 26, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's got two years on his deal, this year and next year. I would like that. To put that on a second line with Matthew Barzal, this this could be a 55 to 60 point player easily. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could see him producing, and I think that's a reasonable option. My mine isn't so reasonable. Okay, <laughs> I I really want Artemi Panarin. Like I, I like the more and more I see this team's issues, the more I want Panarin. Yeah, I I don't not want Panarin. That's a double negative. It's not that I don't want Panarin. It's the cost to get Panarin from a divisional rival who's hunting for the same playoff position you are, that's not going to be cheap if they're even willing to talk to you. You might have to go through an intermediary. He might have to go to San Jose to come back to you. Because it seems like they always go through San Jose. Yeah, things usually tend to go that way. Yeah. But I, I really would... if you, He's the perfect kind of player yep. for it. I know the situation isn't the best because, like you mentioned, Columbus is in the same division. They're a competitive team. But they also don't have much leverage either because you know he's not going to re-sign there. No, you're, you're 100% correct in, in his availability and the desire that we should have for him. It's just 
doing that is going to cost a lot of money. Well, money. Maybe not. I'm thinking of, of my financial terms, and I all I have is money, but the Islanders, it's assets. It's going to cost a lot. Like, you're talking first, a blue-chip prospect, so a Bellows, Wallstrom, Dobson, probably, uh, and even maybe a roster player to boot. Probably, but would you throw Beauvillier in there? I think I would at this point. If the offer, if what Kekalainen wants is Bo, Bellows, and a first, I do it. But if, I would it, 100% if do it's it. Bo, Dobson, and or Wallstrom, and a first, I'm I'm hanging it up. I can't I can't do Wallstrom, Dobbs, or Dobson, let alone both. God, if it was both, no way. I don't know why I said and there. But I, as much as I like Kiefer Bellows, and I think he's going to be good at the next level, I think that for like you said, Bellows a first and Beauvillier, I would do that in a heartbeat. I wouldn't think twice about it, and. You know, I, he seemed to say that he wants to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's probably more with the other team, but you still have the same opportunities here as you do for playing with the Rangers. One hundred percent, same same opportunities. You have the money, and the Rangers have what a million and a half old goaltender. Great, because yeah, Zibanejad, awesome. They're far away. The Islanders are close, and if you want to win, which I feel like. Panarin probably is going to want to be in that scenario. I mean, most hockey players, if you could be in a winning situation and get paid and be in a good city that you want, what's what's the negative there? Yeah, I don't understand. Why would you want to go to the Rangers? Who do they have that's attracting you right now as Artemi Panarin? Vladislav Nemestnikov? All right, you got a Russian. Great. Awesome. That's great. Kevin Shattenkirk? Is that what's really bringing you in? Brady Shea? Come on. We have Matthew Barzal. We have a 40-goal scorer in Anders Lee leading the team. They're going to If you get hit, there's at least two guys that are going to bounce over the boards trying to beat the brains out of the other guy. And we have yeah. Robin Leonard, who could probably do the same job himself. And we have a defensive core that's a lot better than this one in the, in the, with the Rangers. Like, what's not to like? The arenas, I guess that narrative you, you might not have to worry about that next year they might just play out of the coliseum the entire time i would not be surprised if that's the case yeah like why do you think all these politicians are signing letters they see blood politicians are sharks they see blood and they swim for it they're seeing blood right now they're saying oh give, they're probably gonna play at the coliseum let me let me look good right now that's coming from the poli sci guy it's, i'm in on that <laughs> there you go um yeah, so I, I'm i all in on, on Panarin. You can't convince me not to trade for him unless, I guess, you say Dobson or Wallstrom. Um, but no, I, I just don't see it happening unless it has to go through an intermediary or a third party, and that might cost us even more. I, I, get, the, I get the concern with the situation. Not the player, but the situation itself. Yeah. So I... I understand. Uh, what about your boy Mark Stone? I don't know. Eugene Melnick just said some stuff over uh, at a Toronto luncheon. Apparently, the Ottawa Senators are going to spend to the cap between 2021 and 2025 to try to win the Stanley Cup. Apparently, that's happening. I don't believe it necessarily, but he said it. Okay. Sure. Although, Mark Stone's a UFA right now, so <laughs> not yeah, 2021, Eugene. <laughs> So essentially, he is saying that for the next two years they're going to tank, and then they'll go f- start going for it after that. I don't know how you do that. 
<laughs> but yeah, they they have cap space. They have seven million dollars worth of cap space, and they they could sign Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, right? Like Duchesne could probably get another two million to make an eight eight million dollar player. Let's say three. He's a nine million dollar player. You give that same to Mark Stone, another three million. You've only cost yourself six. You still have a million on the cap. Although they still have to sign Ryan Ziggle, Marcus uh, Magnus Pariarvi, uh Cody Cece, Colin White, Jack Rodwell, like <laughs> Wad Wall, sorry, uh, and and Cody Golubev, and then find a goalie somehow. Best of luck. So like, I don't know how they do it. Well, I I think one goes, and and if I could get Stone, you know I'm all in on Stone. I I would probably trade Walson for Strome. Wow. Okay. Probably. I think about it. I think about it. I wouldn't hang up the phone, uh, but I would think about it. I got one more for you. Okay. And it's only because the Islanders had a scout watching this game tonight. Oh, you're going to say Zuccarello, are you? What about Matt Zuccarello? <laughs> um, outside of the fact that he's a Ranger? I don't know. He's fine, I guess. I don't even know how well he's doing this year. Is he all right? Uh, I know you're struggling a bit earlier on in the year, but that's someone who put up 60 points, and I feel like he could probably play with Barzal. Yeah, he's put up, what, 59, 49, 61, 59, 53. Like, <clears throat> the guy's a 50-point player. The Islanders don't have a guaranteed, well, they have a few guaranteed 50-point players, but none that play on the second line. No, none that could skate with <clears throat> Barzal and Bailey. Yeah, it, it really depends on the cost. Like, I would love to see it happen. I just, it's already fantasy simply because he's currently a ranger. Yeah, and it seems like they would never make a deal like that. But but you seem the, to think they might. I don't know. There's a scout there. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why you're like, oh, they, they've got scouts there. And I'm not, not saying for you, but like it's all the tweets. Like, oh, there are scouts here. What are scouts learning three days out from like a trade? Like, oh, he skated real hard against the Devils the other night. Well, sign me up for that. Like, yeah, they get, get Lou on the bat phone right away. <laughs> Seriously, what do they not know about these players that they're finding out right there and then? Well, he skated real hard. Yeah, because he knows there's a 50 million scouts and he wants to get out of this situation. Of course. Like, that's not a, you should know that the sample size isn't there. Oh, he's playing. He's shooting real hard right now. Great. Is he shooting hard before that? Am I going to get a guy who's just coming in and do a Rick Nash? I don't know. Right? Like, that's... I don't get it. I don't get it. But... No, I don't I don't get scouting, I suppose. No, apparently not. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but Matt Zuccarello isn't 34 years old, is he? 31. <sighs> too young. Or, yeah, way too young. <laughs> Lou is seemingly only interested in 34-plus players that he once drafted or... Or, sorry, once traded for. So we have to go through Lou Lamoureux's trade history and figure out who he's traded for. Interesting. So that's what that's how we'll know his his trade deadline strategy. It seems. Yes that that certain that certainly seems to be the case. Uh, although he does pass the other test, which is over thirty. Sure. I know that. Obviously, a lot of. Uh, like you said, where they were 33, 34. So what's his face was uh, Brian Boyle's 34. Kovalchuk's what, 35? Yes. So it doesn't fit that narrative, but Leo Komarov is 31. 
He was brought in this year. Valtteri Fippel is 34? Yes. Uh, so, he might be 35. Although, right in that range. Ilya Kovalchuk is 6'3". Brian Boyle is 6'6". Do you know how tall Matt Zuccarello is? A 4'11". <laughs> Almost. 5'8". That, right. that, just because he's small doesn't mean he can't play. I'm not saying the otherwise, but it seems to be a pattern. If we're, we're judging lose targets based off of rumors, of course, uh, based mm-hmm. on, the, on the few patterns that are there, like he traded for them once and their age, he's uh, got to looks at how tall they are because he likes them tall, and Zook is not very tall. No, not really. So, yeah. The other problem with Kovalchuk is obviously that contract. I just wanted to bring that up. Six point two five million for the next three years, including this one. Well, gross. That is pretty gross. <laughs> They'd be the highest paid player on the Islanders. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Gross. All right. Want to get into some social stuff? Sure. Let's do that. All right. What do you got for us? I've got one here from Isles Territory that they just tweeted out 60 minutes ago. Um, saying, learn from the past and don't be afraid of change. Have faith that things will get better. And that's a quote from Robin Leonard. And it's a montage of what he used to be to what he is now. And just like the saves that he's making now versus, you know, beating other players' brains out in the past and like the crazy eyes that he used to have. Um, just looks like a completely different player. Well, he is. He is a completely different player because he wasn't afraid of change and he had faith that things will get better. <laughs> Josh was saying what's up. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yes. I'm putting that towards him, but it's not fair. It should be towards him and <clears throat> the Islanders. What's up? Because it's both the Islanders and Jose saying that need to learn from that. My social segment one was going to be the politicians pushing for the Islanders to play the playoff games at the Coliseum. Do you think this helps at all? Or do you think this is all like, let me put a nice facade up. I know you kind of hinted at your answer, I think, but yeah, my answer is they're smelling blood and they're going for it. Okay. I think, yeah, I think this is like, let's hop on a bandwagon that we know is coming anyway so that we look good kind of thing. It's hard for the NHL to now argue saying like, no, they can't play playoff games at the Coliseum, but let's play 21 home games at the Coliseum. What? What's, I don't understand the difference. Like they're, they're playing back to backs there, aren't they at the Coliseum? I believe I haven't so. looked at the schedule for it, but I would imagine so. So why why wouldn't you? And, and, and it's not like you're playing back-to-backs in the playoffs anyways. It's every other night. So what's the difference? The impact on the arena? It's got asbestos? Well, as long as you don't you know move the asbestos, you'd be fine. And it's, it is it is temporary, and so is Barclays. The only difference is obviously the monies. And really, when you think about it, if you average out the the cost of a seat to $200... So let's say everyone pays $200 for any seat at both the Barclays and the Nassau Coliseum. Right. I think the extra revenue is $300,000. Okay. We don't get into luxury boxes and concession stands, which the Barclays has more of, and that's a thing, um, which obviously raises the amount of revenue that the Barclays would bring in versus um, the Coliseum. But that being said, the atmosphere is so much better at the Coliseum. Like, it's it's night and day. Not even close. All right. I think if it was up to the team, I think they'd pick the Coliseum. 
Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry. I, didn't, I <laughs> went on a tangent there. Yes, the team would pick the Coliseum. You're right. Yes. So in agreement there. Anything else for tonight's show, Mitch? No, I think that's that's about it. We're at 55 minutes. Let's not go too much over uh, and take too much of this people these people's time. Um, I think that's good. The Islanders, you know, lost against the Bruins. That was a tough one to take, but, you know, that's going to happen. So I don't think we need to be too sad about it. No, and they are back in action tomorrow night against the Devils like we've been talking about. So let's get some plugs out of the way before we get on out of here. Wherever you're listening to this, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps with our searchability, and we appreciate all the support. Speaking of support, you could also support on Patreon, which you can help by getting, uh, if you donate the $5, you get the podcast uh, for every single post game. So that's really cool. And it's continuing to grow. So we appreciate all those who have already subscribed. And if you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles for social media. You can get at us on Twitter at eyes on aisles FS. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is T L O Mitch. You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can download the app, the eyes on aisles app, and make sure to always, always, always go to the website eyes on That'll do it for us, Mitch. Another episode in the books. I'm sad to see Pierre Trichon go, but sometimes you got to let him go. Sometimes you got to let him go. That's right. Next week will be number 78. We'll talk to you then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.